0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's up, Ville Church? It's Pastor Jay Harris here. Everybody who is tuning in, um, God bless you. Thank you that you could be with us this morning. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're in the middle of our Rooted series. Excuse me, we're not in the middle. We're actually at the very end. And today I was supposed to be preaching, preaching Colossians 4 and ending the sermon series of Rooted. Um, but I'm not going to actually do that today. Um, I, uh, let me explain to you why. So, you know, like most people, um, I heard the news about, um, George Floyd this, um, this week and, um, you know, I was trying to stay away from social media. I knew something crazy had happened. I didn't tune in right away. Um, and you know, for just for my own mental health, I was just trying to kind of keep my distance. Um, and then I saw a couple pictures and then I eventually saw the video. Um, and I imagine some of y'all have, some of you maybe haven't, but I've talked to many of you in the church and um, it has had a profound effect on me. Um, as these things often do, but this has hit somewhere just different. And I, um, the best way I could just describe it as a, just an utter rage. I just have been in a utter rage, like just unbelievable. And every day it turns up more and more. Um, And I believe there's a righteous anger and I think righteous anger is useful. And I believe this righteous anger will be very useful for my sanctification and for God pushing me to where He uh, wants me to in my stance and the way I, I lead this church and what I vigorously protect um, and declare, especially in the realm of faith and justice, right? So, but all my anger right now, if I'm gonna be honest with you, is it, it's not righteous. It's uh, it, it's been it it hasn't been a good deal or whatever, and. You know, I woke up this morning and the moment I sat up in the bed, I just started crying and um, i just been trembling. And what I know to do when I'm in a place like that is to wait on the Lord when I know it's not righteous. When I know I'm in that place where my mind is going left field and it's so angry, it's not being sensible. And that's the way it's felt for me. And the reason I'm telling you this is because you're my church. You're my church family. Um, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, you know, God forbid, by the grace of God, I pray we never have a church where um, there's leadership that doesn't confess their sin or confess their struggles. Um, we're not superhuman. We need Jesus just as much as anybody, if not more than anybody, right? And so. Um, so even what I'm doing in, the, in, in, in this message today, I wouldn't even actually call it a sermon. Um, I'm going to read a text that I really haven't even broke down and expounded. I'm just going live on video with you, um, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as I search the scriptures for hope and um, to taste the gospel. Um, and, and sit with it and let God do a work inside of my heart because I need him right now. And that's just the honest truth. And I'm not doing this message this morning cause I have to, um, because it would be very easy for me just to say, hey, we're not doing a sermon this morning Let's just replay another one. And I would be perfectly fine with doing that. So my hand isn't forced to do a message or a sermon. Um, and so it, Y'all are just, y'all are my church, y'all are my people. Um, I hope y'all believe that. I believe that. I don't think I would lead this church if I didn't believe the word of God when it says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know most of you have heard me say this before. It doesn't have to feel like it for it to be true. I'm a saint because of the blood of Jesus. I don't feel like a saint right now, but it's true because his word says it's true. It's not true because of what I do. It's not true because my heart is filled with anger and vengeance right now. It's true because the blood of Jesus covers my sins because God is good, not because I'm good. In that way, the gospel is scandalous because it gives grace and mercy to even wretches like me, right, on my worst day, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. The Bible says that his mercies are made new each morning And I'm such a wretch. I need them joints made new every hour, but that morning hit knocks the whole day out. You get where I'm coming from? And so I'm here because you're my family. Um, That's it. So I'm gonna go through this text and I have not prepared anything in, in the form of a normal sermon. I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna point some things and I'm gonna to look to illuminate the gospel for myself and for you as well. And I hope that those of y'all, which I've talked to some of you and you have definitely struggling and grieving through this ordeal as well, this injustice, this murder of a brother who was made in the image of God. Um, I pray that this is encouraging and um, all of these things hurt for me I'm completely confounded by the depth of hurt this one is I don't even understand it I don't even think I can articulate it right now this is rage and I really need Jesus to show up and so let's look for him we're gonna be inside of Romans 12 verses 9 through 21 I'm just gonna read it through and then I'm gonna jump back and point out some things Romans 12, 9 says this, says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Do not be overwhelmed by evil, overwhelmed by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that's the text that we are going through. And I'm going to point some things out in here and look to connect them. And so I pray right now that God gives me grace to work through this word. I pray that he gives me grace as a son of his with a sinful heart um i pray that he uses me in this moment despite me and i pray that he shows himself to all of us in this text I pray that he gives us some comfort in this time and through his son jesus who is the comfort holy spirit amen so first thing I want to show you is uh, in verse Romans in Romans 12 verse 11 it says love one another with brotherly affection. It's it's important to point out is that when you go to um, probably most of your Bible Bibles when you get to this section of Romans starting at verse um, verse nine what you see is um, it's actually called uh, this particular section is actually called marks of a true Christian. What I just read to you paul is speaking to the romans there's persecution going on so they are being mistreated mudded out thugged out in the middle of the streets um they are not being being given any credibility and um injustice um is running amok right and uh and so he's telling them how to function within that and uh he he proclaims a scandalous gospel some of you may have never heard the word gospel um, next to the word scandalous. Scandalous. I'm going to get to that. I'm gonna explain to you why we say scandalous gospel, but the gospel in itself means good news. And I'll break that down as we go in here as well. So verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. This is what he's saying is a mark of a Christian. He's saying as you exist in this crazy world you find yourself in where persecution is rampant, mistreatment is rampant, injustice prevails. Love one another with brotherly affection. Y'all stay close. He says outdo one another in showing honor and in the end of verse 11 he says serve the Lord he says serve the Lord what he's saying is despite what people do make sure everything you do is unto the Lord if they try to treat you like a slave do what you do unto the Lord if they flatter you and play you like you some type of boss still do what you do unto the Lord. So you never become captured by mankind's opinion, mankind's systems, but that you actually, even if you are inside of the system and they think they are playing you for a sucker, that what you are actually doing is unto God. He is your ultimate authority in all that you do. He tells us to follow what authority tells us to do, to obey, to be obedient. But if opposes God, then there's a problem because God is our ultimate authority. So he says, serve the Lord. Verse 12, he says, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. They're in tribulation. He's telling them to be patient. Verse 13 says, contribute to the need of the saints. And then verse 14 is where it gets scandalous for me because he says, bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse them. I've been cursing some folks this week, and I have not been thinking about blessing people. I just want to be forward with my sin. It says, bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse them. That is not a sweet, moralistic virtue. He is encouraging them at There is no way in the world you're going to bless people who persecute you outside of the power of God being afforded to you. This is why the prayer, be constant in prayer, is so important. I talked to one of my brothers yesterday, and he said to me, he said, you know, Jay, he said, prayer for me. He said, I know prayer is right when it starts to make me feel like my flesh is burning. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I like to get to action." And he said, my flesh likes action because it feels like it's doing something. But God repeatedly tells us through the script in the scripture to pray, 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 pray. And so sometimes even sitting still and making time to pray, it makes me feel like my flesh is burning. Because the self-righteousness inside of me wants to get up and run and get it. Because it feels like I did something but God is like nothing gets done without me. So we go to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for answers. We come to him in prayer that he may fight our battles for us, that he may lay our steps for us, for us to have relationship with us, for us to be filled when we are empty. So he says, pray. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's only gonna come from the power of God It's only going to come from us actually knowing his word and his will. So what is his will? He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. One of the things Paul knew about Rome and all the allures of Rome is that there was going to be systems made by mankind in the heart of mankind and evil that it was perpetuating was going to be classism. So for the brothers and sisters in Christ, he said, You, don't be high-minded, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So he's speaking to the brothers and sisters in Christ, how they're supposed to function, right? So this is, when I look at the body of Christ in America right now, I see us in utter rebellion to this text right here. Never be wise in your own sight. Do you know how many times i go on facebook or how many times i've been in face to face with conversations with christians who ain't never been inside of the hood before ain't never drove to the hood don't come nowhere near it warn people not to come near it but will tell you and i'm talking about in a christian conversation me as a christian talking to other christians me as a pastor talking to other pastors but they know more about the neighborhood and the dynamics of it and why sin prevails and what's wrong with people and the quality of people and people did it. But they've never even been inside of the community. Imagine, number one, how intellectually foolish it is if I talk about what goes on in Pontevedra and I've actually never lived in Pontevedra or whatever. But i have an assessment on all the people out there and everything else and what goes on and the sin in their hearts and everything else whatever but i've actually never even been people would say you, you're arrogant and you're actually a fool but not only that if the people were saying they were being persecuted out there for their faith or if they're being personal, or if they're saying that you know that, that we're being mistreated, there's injustice that is prevailing here or whatever. And me as a Christian responds to them well with carelessness, or blaming it on them, or or coming back with data to just show them how they're wrong. I'm not weeping with those who weep. That that peace right there. Weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love one another with brotherly affection. If you come to me as a brother and you say that you've been hurt, I'm not going to question you down with whether you've been hurt because as a Christian and follower of Jesus, you already have built in credibility with me automatically. If you're in sin and you are talking some craziness, then I'm going to walk you through it. But let's say your pain is self-inflicted. I still can sit with you and actually weep because of your self-inflicted pain. It doesn't mean that it doesn't cause pain just because you self-inflicted it on yourself. So I can actually weep with you and say, hey, brother, I know you're struggling financially. That, that's, that's messed up, man. Listen, man. Let me go over your finances with you. Some of the things you're doing are actually causing this. But I have credibility to have that level of conversation just because I weep with a brother. You understand what I'm saying? Bro, I know your life is going crazy or whatever. The bottle got you crazy, my J Man, I love you, man. Like, let's talk through it, man. Maybe there's some things we could put together. I'll walk this thing out with you. Brotherly affection. Weeping with those who weep. When black people say, listen, I'm afraid of law enforcement because of my experience with law enforcement, it's not brotherly love for people to question whether or not and make us feel like we're hallucinating. How's a shared experience of, uh, uh, amongst a mass group of people get treated as nothing, by other believers in Christ. The historical narrative in this country, since we're on this particular topic right now, the historical narrative in this country, you look at slavery, you had black folks saying, This is this is you're sinning against us, you are persecuting us. We are humans, we are people. The Christian slave masters who blaspheme and completely brutalized the holy word of God for their purpose and for their gain they said you're wrong we're right close their ears restructuring right restructuring period Jim Crow civil rights school of prison pipeline modern day in 2020 same thing goes on same thing goes on And the world does what the world does. But I'm talking about Christian people of faith, where we have racial division in the church, classism inside of the church that prevails because of disobedience to this text right here. We're going to weep with those who weep. That's an ultimate betrayer betrayal or brotherly affection. If you say you hurt, of all people who are going to have credibility in the world, you telling me other brothers and sisters in Christ don't have credibility with you? you minimize our statements to political agendas. I don't care about political agendas. I'm saying this is unjust. My kids are going to bear the brunt of this injustice. I have fear of my son driving a car. I have fear of him going out the door and being alone because I don't know if he's going to make it back. That's a real fear that I have. You're going to talk me down in response about that, like as if I'm just foolish? I can fill a room with 200 Other black brothers in Christ, mothers in Christ. But I'm using in front of people that are so pompous and so haughty and so rebellious to the word of God while they claim to be super Christians that they would talk down the whole room of 200 quick. They'll talk down the whole nation. But Paul is telling them weep with those who weep. He put that in there because he was trying to, he he was, he was, he was saying, if you betray this, you get what we have right now. Not inside of the Ville church. That's why I think my brothers and sisters in Christ, white, black, I don't care what color you are, I thank God for our allies and that the gospel of Jesus Christ has mended our hearts so much so that as a pastor, I can be free to say what I need to say out of my heart and also get calls from you and say, hey, Pastor, I love you. Hey, Jay, I love you, homie. Hey, Jay, I'm praying for you. I thank God for you. That's why I came and preached this morning. Because y'all are my brothers for real. Y'all have hard conversations that people run from. It's the power of God on your lives. And I celebrate you. I celebrate you for it. I thank God for you. Because in this moment when I just feel like getting that, you know what I'm saying, thing and going doing that thing. I think about my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm like, nah, this, this, this Jesus power is real. Because in our world, in our world of believers, in the Ville church, in the community that we have, it's on display. We weep with each other. We weep with each other. We live in harmony. We have people in here who are complete opposite sides of the political spectrum. And we actually talk together. We talk together. We're actually being undone from our far swinging pendulums of beliefs politically. And we're growing into something different where we're like, I don't trust what I was a part of before. I don't trust what you was a part of. And they're like, I don't either. I'm in this weird place. It's because our hearts are being mended together because God said weep with those who weep because he brings us together because he illuminates us and grows us through brotherly affection and through his Holy Spirit working through us. And division always has slowed the work of God. That's what the enemy has tried to do. He ain't gonna stop the work of God. So it says, live in harmony with one another. Right after it says, weep with those who weep. Part of living in harmony, it's not this fake romanticized idea that we just sing kumbaya together all the time and everything is all good. It means that we actually put to practice the royal blessed gifts of confession, repentance, walking in truth and and, and telling each other how we feel when we're angry taking a little break to come back and say hey let's work through this or let's say hey i don't even quite feel where you are coming from but i know that jesus we serve is bigger than all of this and when we keep on walking together some of this stuff is going to disintegrate in the past because it's not bigger than jesus maybe we don't see that at this moment but i'm still with you i had a brother call me yesterday who left the church not in the best way or whatever, just excuse me, call me today and say, hey, brother, I need to talk to you. I say, oh, my God, who can believe this person's calling? I say, yo, I need to repent to you. You what? I need to repent. I've got that conversation mad times. I've had to do that mad times. Jesus is bigger than our strife and our beef. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Then it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is that scandalous stuff creeping in. Because it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. So when you're ready to smash somebody, Because you just like, you just wicked. Like you, you deserve to get it. God is like, fall back. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. First of all, when we look at a statement like, who are we honoring? Who are we honoring? Are we, are we working off our, our self-righteous, you know, list of moralities or whatever and stuff? Or like, you know, culture says that this is the way to act or whatever and the way to do things or whatever. So I'm going to do that. That's not what he's saying when he says honorable. Right. The Bible are the two two foundational commandments. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about honoring God, even when a evil low down person delves out the most grossest type evil to you. God is like, I still need you to fall in line with what is honorable to me, which is why in verse 11 he says, Serve the Lord. That statement is heavy. It's packed. He says, serve the Lord. He's saying, serve the Lord. Even when they come and try to knock you off your pivot, when they knock you into a rage, serve the Lord. Do what is honorable to the holy king of kings, lover of our soul. Do what's honorable. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. All right. Serve the Lord. So, holster your pistol. Verse 19 says this. Never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. This is why he says, don't repay evil for evil. He says, don't avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. One of the things I forget when I'm mad, when I'm angry, when I feel completely ran over, when that thing inside of me that I can't even articulate just feels broken, when I'm trying to be on my black power tip, but the fact of the matter is, I feel like less than a human. Like my psyche is deeply somewhere being being abused and traumatized by watching people get killed all the time. Me being able to taste it and feel it because I've already had my running and had the cops play soccer with my head, right? know what that humiliation is. I know what it is to to almost lose your mind with anger, with anger and hatred. I'm talking murderous hatred when you wake up just dreaming about killing because it hurts so bad. And God is saying no matter how mad you are. You're not matter to me. And your wrath is actually not sufficient. Your wrath is not sufficient. The same way your righteousness righteousness is not sufficient to save you. So God says, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. Serve the Lord. Spite what they do. And he says, vengeance is mine. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Makes no sense. Not to my flesh, it doesn't. The way my flesh works is that if you violate, you get violated 10 times over. But God is telling us as children of God. Paul is in the text saying these are the marks of a Christian. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Feed him. But here's the thing. We may be confused about how God deals with things. We may be confused sometimes about how his wrath works, but like look, listen to the mechanism that's in play. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now peep the mechanism. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. If you don't catch that, let me bring it to you real quick. Now I'm starting to get encouraged. Wake me out of my slumber, Lord. Your righteousness in the face of evil, your righteousness in the face of face of evil, mechanizes God's wrath. That's what it does. It mechanizes it, right? It says, for by doing so, by giving, by feeding your hungry enemy, you're heaping burning coals on his head. Because God's grace and mercy pouring through you. In the face of their rebellion to God, in the face of them persecuting you or whoever else it is made in the image of God. God sees it. That's what he's trying to tell us. He's like, I actually I'm watching. I'm not up here eating grapes in la la land. I see what you were going through. And when you choose to honor me, when you choose to serve me, when you choose to make my purpose and my calling for your life bigger than even what your flesh is aching for, the vengeance it aches for, when you choose to do that, man, he got the the magnifying glass out on the situation. Your mercy to your persecutor, is the gospel being preached to them. Is God making an appeal to them to actually repent. It's him making an appeal for them to actually repent. He is actually showing his grace. He is showing his holiness through us in that moment. And if they spit on it, the coals get hotter. It says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is the way you fight. This is the way you fight. We serve a just God. Justice is all through the Bible. God says, what if I called you to do, but to do justice, to have mercy. He does justice for us. Who are persecuted but he also offers scandalous grace to those who persecute us just as he offers it to all of us that's the scandalous part he says bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them because while we were still in our iniquities as the word of God says God saved us from our sins take people's head off is to take our own head off. God says, I comfort you in your affliction so that you can comfort people in their affliction with the comfort that you are being comforted with. God's grace and mercy and comfort to us and through us. But it gets dicey when he says, yeah, don't just give it to the sweet people that are nice to you. Give it to the people who persecute you. But this right here is so hard for the mind to grab. The only way you can actually grab it is, number one, by the the power of God blesses you to do so. For y'all who know the gospel out there, who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he's actually saved you, then you understand this because if you understand it then you understand when Jesus was persecuted they let Barabbas go free guilty low down dirty scum dog Barabbas they let him go free. Say yo oh, we'll exchange a prisoner say so let Barabbas go an innocent Son of God, holy Jesus who is God gets put on the cross. So we're guilty. A guilty savage goes free. And not just a man, but the king of kings and lord of lords. The source of our salvation, holy and pure. The perfect lamb of God. Takes his place. Barabbas is representative of, he represents all of us. This guilty man, filthy, walking free. He represents all of us. I'm talking to you, but I'm really talking to me right now. Because my anger, my re- the, 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 the evil aspect of my anger, anger, the revenge, it has to bow to the gospel. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all Barabbas. We are all guilty. Our handprints are on all the sin of the world. The same way Eve sinned and Adam sinned. And they, see, we like to make sins like that person is a big sinner. And I just did a little sin. But you see, understand this. Adam and Eve when they ate of that fruit The Bible says that they looked at the tree They looked at the fruit They said yo that thing looks juicy right there Whatever, Like look how the sun is shining off of it It looked desirable to them You know It looked good Ate, ate the thing They sinned because God said don't do it It's as simple as that So the sin was Monstrous The next sin we see coming out of the Bible Is Cain killing Abel That little sin is that big sin. And as it is true for them, and all sin that came after them, that their little sin has its fingerprint on every evil that there is that ever will exist in the world, it's true for all of us. So the gospel is scandalous because it sets Barabbas free it's scandalous because it sets me free. When I'm angry and going to bed thinking about killing something at night, it's scandalous because God still is here at this moment washing over me with his grace and his love and reminding me of Jesus. It's good news It's good news because it was first bad news and the bad news is this, that we all fall short. I don't care how much you try to romanticize your sin, how many reasons you try to give for it, the Bible says that nobody, nobody, it's the grace of God, it's not works. You can't give away enough things. You can't help enough people. You can't, you you, you, you can, you could disarm yourself of every single resource you have to help other people. And it's filthy rags before the Lord. See, the Bible in John 3, 16, we quote it all the time. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But if you keep on reading past that text, what it actually tells you, it says, yo, all of y'all have already condemned. You understand? It says y'all are already in a situation. God says, I came to save you because In your blindness, you don't know that you are lost in the sauce. So for you to even have awareness like, oh, my God, I'm in a bad place. It's like all of a sudden the lights can come on and you're like, I'm in a den of snakes. God is like, you've been in a den of snakes. The lights were just off and you ain't know it. And even while you were in there, I kept the snakes off of you while you were stealing your iniquities, while you were stealing the darkness, and while you were still surrounded by snakes ready to devour you, I kept it off of you. Bad news, you in a snake pit, homie. Good news. I'ma drop a rope down and pull you up out of the hole. But the rope ain't free. But you don't gotta pay for it. I had to sacrifice my son to save you all your wretchedness all your sin our wrath is what put jesus on the cross excuse me our sin is what put jesus on the cross our sin is what exposed is the reason why god had to completely avalanche his wrath for all the sin of mankind on jesus But if you don't repent, your sin is going to be on you. And God's wrath is going to be on you. And believe me, you can't bear bear eternal separation with God, from God. You can't bear it. So don't stay in the bad news. Grab the good news that Jesus Christ has died for your sins. And he loves you. And if you are sitting right now listening to this message, if you sit and listen to this message, you may be scrambling through your head and all this different, you know, stuff you heard other people say and people dropping all this other stuff and like, oh, Christianity and this and that. I don't care what none of them say, but I was about to blow somebody's head off. And Jesus saved me when I was walking out of the church, throwing my middle finger up at him. He saved me out of his mercy, not even because I had a good heart. I was like, oh, this sounds really good. So I pray for you. I'm in with this right here. Romans 1 16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's what I'm telling you right now. If you feel like God is touching your heart right now, if you feel like he is doing something, if you feel compelled, like I feel like I'm ready to leave everything in the world and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? If you feel that right now, that is not even you. You ain't that sweet. God loves you that much, that his Holy Spirit, he is sent to begin to tap on your hard heart and he is softening. Do not fight him. When you get done just call, fall on your knees and say, God, save me. God, I realize that my sin is filthy before you. Save me, thank you for Jesus. Lord, cleanse me by the blood of your son and help me to walk. Show me a proper church to be at that loves Jesus and not playing church. And he'll do it. I promise you you can hit me up. Call me on the phone. I don't care if you're out of town. Hit me on Facebook. I'll get on the phone with you. Word up. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God, this is Romans 1, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Those hard words in Romans 12 that tells us to love our enemy. It's something that can only happen by the power of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit empowering us, but it's by faith. We read these words and in faith we actually believe them. We believe that God is actually true. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. God, we are not the truth. You are the truth. So we submit to that truth and we do what is honorable to you instead of what code is for us or what our flesh tells us to do. We don't trust our flesh anymore, right? Because we land inside of a bed full of snakes every time we try to run our own way it seems sweet sin the bible says sin seems sweet for a moment but it's bitter at the end it's bitter at the end that's why i preach this gospel because he saved my soul and i and, and it's uncomprehendable but all i can do is scream and shout to you about his goodness and i can't believe i'm even saying this right now not because i can't believe that i believe the gospel like that but that it's hitting my heart so heavy because I didn't know how I was going to even get my voice out when I started the video, but the gospel is that glorious is bigger than even my anger. And there's, and there's mercy for, for the wretchedness of myself. Glory to you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, for saving us. Let me pray for y'all. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise you, Lord. God, I pray for the family of George Floyd. My God. Lord, we don't understand, but we trust you. God, help us. If there's things you're trying to do, if we've been slave to the opinion of men and worried about what they gotta say and what they feel, and if you are rocking us out of that, Father Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that that uh we wouldn't fight you, Lord. But I feel like you are calling us to evaluate our hearts. We can't stand in two things and shimmy and shuck and jive for people who are not for us. People who not weep with us. We're not gonna wish death on them. We're not gonna hate them. Father Lord, but as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, Father Lord, we have to choose to be obedient. And this is a time when we're going to have to evaluate that as a church, as people of God. Some people get in the cutoff, Lord, not because it's about vengeance, but because, Father Lord, we want to do what is honorable in your sight. and we've been attached to people that don't care and have slowed up um, what you've called us to do. So give us wisdom as we navigate this day and this time right now. Father Lord, for our people in our church who are grieving, for the people in our city, for the trillion posts on Facebook where people's hearts are just bleeding out in the words, Father Lord, and they're traumatized the people that I know who are traumatized by churches and pastors who um, didn't didn't love them well—that that that they had to sit in, you know, systems that said they were for the gospel and the good news, but they betrayed this very scripture. I pray for them, Father Lord. I pray for them for grace during this time. I pray, Father Lord, that you save our church for being like that, Father Lord. We're not better than that, Father. We need you. All we have is you. God, I pray for the family of George Floyd, Father Lord. I can't imagine the grief and the pain that they feel, his friends. I pray for him, Lord. I pray for them, Father. God, I pray, Father Lord, that you would help us to honor you above all in our pain, in our grief, in our rage, that you would help us to honor you, to serve you, that you would take our righteous anger and you would bring it into action because your word says that we are to stand for justice, it says we are to stand for justice as people of God. We are to have a zeal and have anguish when we see justice being trampled over. Not to sit silent, to not sit in this vague place, Father Lord. Forgive us for any time we've stayed in this vague place, Father. Continue to give us wisdom as you work us up out of these stuck places so we can actually be as ferocious about truth and rightness as you were about getting new life and salvation to us through Jesus pray for our city. We pray for our communities. God, I pray for all of those people that are out there right now, the people that are rioting, the people that are in the streets, the people that are burning with rage and frustration. I pray that you would keep them protected. I pray that you would protect the officers that are out there doing their jobs, God. But I also, Father, pray that the, the abuse of power, the abuse of power and, 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 and a lack of love that is perpetuated inside of government systems and inside of um, systems of the law. And Father Lord, and what's happening in that city, I pray that they are confronted in a way where it just won't be another thing that happened. So I pray that every broken window, every burnt building, whatever the case may be, I pray that you still use it to bring um the heart of the matter um to the forefront so people could be loved through it so people could be protected so where systems need to be dismantled um I pray that that conversation gets louder because we need a a a nationwide movement to uh, to deal with the injustices that run rampant inside of Um, these systems of government and for police and law enforcement and i know there's good people all in between i know we can't generalize the whole thing i pray that you protect them as well but father we need you proceed us take care of our church heal our hearts help us father in jesus name we pray amen a different one this week, Bill. Church. I love you, though. Thank you for being with me this morning. Peace.